0: Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Ben Hatke, creator of the Zeta the Space Girl trilogy, as well as the graphic novel Little Robot and the picture books Nobody Likes a Goblin and Julia's House for Lost Creatures. This fall, he's back with a new graphic novel, Mighty Jack. It's just been published by First Second, which is sponsoring this podcast. Mighty Jack is a contemporary riff on the story of Jack and the Beanstalk, and as in the original, this Jack's mother is struggling to make ends meet. It's at a flea market that Hatke's version of Jack acquires packets of strange-looking seeds, though he has to trade his mother's car in exchange for them, making things even a little bit harder on the family. The seeds sprout into a deeply strange garden, complete with tiny onion-headed men, mud-throwing vines, and enormous hungry pumpkins which forces Jack, his sister Maddie, and a confident neighbor girl named Lily to work together to combat the dangers that have been unleashed. Ben, thanks for speaking with me.
1: Thanks for having me. This is great.
0: So what was it about the story of Jack and the Beanstalk in particular that led you to want to sort of revisit and reinterpret it?
1: Um, Well, actually, you know, when you were saying uh, a contemporary riff, uh, that was actually and it make me think that's a good way to to describe it because uh, it does veer away from the beanstalk story in in a lot of ways um uh, especially there there ends up being no actual beanstalk going up to the sky (laughs) it's one of the big ways that's different um but yeah no this this book took years to develop or years to um finally i guess come to fruition when my family and i my wife and i and our little little kids lived in our first house uh this would be probably eight Eight years ago now, or even more, that I started working on the story. Um, uh, we had just started to uh, put in a garden, and my wife really likes gardening. And um, I could see our garden uh, right outside my my window, the window of the little room where I was working, you know, doing little freelance illustration jobs and such. The other thing that happened along, you know, parallel to that, along the same lines, was we had another friend of the family, and she was doing a, I think, a master's thesis in fairy tale and folk literature. And she had stayed in a house overseas that, um, that belonged to, to my wife's family. And the next time we visited that house, she had left behind, uh, all of her research materials. So I found myself, uh, it, this was Italy. So, uh, there weren't a whole lot, we hadn't. You know, stocked the house with a lot of, uh, of books. So uh, when I ran out of my reading list or the books that I brought with me, I, I had these big stacks of, of fairy tales and and folk tales, like real, like like all of the Brothers Grimm. We're talking like eight hundred page books, and I just started going through them and, and kind of kind of getting a uh, becoming re interested in in those old stories that have an oral tradition that have been hand down and retold so many times. And I think those two things together, uh, I sort of latched on to the idea of jack and and particularly the beanstalk story but there are other jack stories and the, and so i started playing with these characters and and definitely setting it in a modern setting but it just took many many drafts and and years of thinking about it and letting it kind of percolate in the background of of uh, other projects that i was working on for really to become the book that it ended up being and um it was definitely richer and better for kind of sitting that long and kind of kind of stewing in the background for that long of a time. Um, I look back at the earlier drafts of the book and I'm like, yeesh, you know, I'm glad I didn't make it then. And then I ended up making it now because it's, it's definitely stronger for it. And I, and I had more, uh, for the final version, I had just had more to put in. I had more, um, more life uh, that I had lived and more experiences of my own that I could kind of add to that. So that's kind of where it came from. And and, and even bits and pieces like um, Mighty Jack is is very much drawn actually physically from, from my own life. The most obvious example of that is Jack's house um, is my house for a variety of reasons. The main reason being it was really easy to have a house model there, you know, like... Uh, instead of making up a house, why would I do that? I've got this house right here. I'll just model Jack's house after my own because I know where everything is and I can take a lot of reference photos. And then like the, the flea market where they get the, uh, where they get the, they end up getting the seed packets is, uh. The local front royal flea market. I had, I had a friend actually send me pictures. She went out there with her kids, and uh, I was like, "Can you next time you're out there?" Because we were, I was away while I was drawing part of it, and I was like, "Can you just send me some pictures from the flea market?" She's like, "Yeah, sure." So yeah, I, I based on, a lot on on this area.
0: Well, you know, you mentioned earlier about how uh you don't feel pulled into necessarily. Stick too closely to the original story, but I did, you know, Jack's uh, family's economic troubles definitely hang heavily over, over this version, and there's a real sense of the struggle they have to make ends meet and the long hours his mother uh, is working. Was that an element of the original that you felt was important to preserve in this version?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And, um, well, I like to, to preserve that uh, because of the tradition of it and also because of the tension involved in it, and, and it makes it a story with um not just personal stakes but like family stakes and i hope that that made it stronger and you know uh, it makes it makes jack's mom less of a a plot like a a cipher or a plot element and more of a character um i ended up really liking jack's mom a lot and her her kind of way of handling this even though she's like obviously under a lot of stress and only gets a few scenes but i like i liked her scenes a lot
0: well, you know, despite or maybe because of the family situation, Jack is really thrust into a responsibility role a lot of the time, especially where his younger sister Maddie is concerned, uh, since she needs some extra attention and care. Um, but they also have a childhood that feels very full of kind of independence and freedom in some ways. You know, is that, I guess, the kind of childhood that you were drawing from? You know, we talk about um, Jack being somewhat drawn from your own experience. Or maybe one that you're trying to create for your own kids?
1: Somewhat. I think it's actually a more... I think, yeah, the second thing is is probably more true. Um, you know, we actually do... We like we, we are like homeschooling our kids, and we do live in the country. There's a lot of work to do around the house. We're, we're fixing up an old farmhouse. But at the same time, there is this element of freedom. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, kids these days don't have that kind of freedom. And, and I wonder about that. I mean, I, it depends on where you are and what kids you're talking about. Um, uh, my kids... I think, are lucky to be able to run, have a lot of time to run free and just like make up their own stuff. And it's not like they have no activities to go to, but it's, it's, it's interesting to find that balance. And um I did remember having like a lot of freedom, especially during the summers to kind of uh, run wild. And, and, and plus, you know, like they're, they're, if they're, if they're busy going to like uh, you know, soccer practice all summer, then there's very little time for me to tell that story. Right. So mm-hmm. they kind of have to be, they kind of have to be left to their own devices in the story um, just for me to be able to work with those characters.
0: Well, there's also an emphasis, I feel like a bit on sort of doing and creating things. Obviously, you know, they, they make this garden happen, um, you know, as, as a uh, Jack is sort of training with Lily. He sort of takes pride in noticing that he's getting stronger. Um, I noticed that you and Lily apparently uh, share a fondness for archery. I saw you snuck that in. Yeah, I
1: did the archery cameo. Yeah. Uh
0: Uh-huh. But what do you hope that readers take away from the book as far as, you know, how to to care for themselves and each other and, you know, spend their days (laughs) to a degree?
1: I mean, my main thing is just to to tell the best story that I've possibly can tell i have really fond memories of of reading books and comics and uh all kinds of things like literally in a treehouse uh with my friend denver uh, on summer summer afternoons like those few golden those few memories that seem like they lasted forever but would probably just like happen twice a summer where you've just got like maybe an endless afternoon and a stack of like ducktales comics and I just kind of like, like I suppose one of my goals is just to create a book that you can read in that way, um, that you can like pull it up into a, a treehouse on this really hot, lazy afternoon and read it and 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 remember it and maybe find a bit of yourself in it. I don't know.
0: In your books, whether it's this one or, or Zeta or Nobody Like Goblin, you know, you're playing around with these fairy tale uh, stories or science fiction and fantasy elements. And of course, in a lot of cases, using the medium of comics to tell the stories what have been some of your, I guess, biggest or long time loves and influences that you feel like feed your work.
1: Oh gosh. Uh, lots of influences. Um, like I said, like, uh, especially in Jack uh, and Goblin and, and some of these others, um, I've noticed that like, <laughs> you can do this really powerful thing where you can take the folk tales and the things that are in our, cultural consciousness already and if you kind of remix those or mention those or, or play them out as events that happen time and again or have happened before it's almost like you get that you almost get that same kind of thrill that you get in like uh maybe comic book movies or, or, or well superhero movies or something like this where they reference something and you're like oh i get that reference right like in captain america the first captain america movie the uh that the bad guy uh, the, the Red Skull guy mentions the, the Fuhrer's hunting for trinkets in the desert, and you're like, oh, that's an Indiana Jones reference. So we like these pop culture references that are in our sort of cultural consciousness. The same thing works, and maybe even more powerfully with with things that have been in our cultural consciousness for longer, which would be tales that have been told again and again uh through the, like the oral tradition like jack the jack stories the the brave little tailor um uh certain types of dragons that appear um and then taking those tropes and turning them and doing your own thing with them so so a lot of um folk tales and fairy tales like i find myself kind of coming back to a lot and then just like a like modern stuff uh like jim henson i love I lo- i've always loved jim henson and his ability to do both um like incredibly silly work and then incredibly dark, weird stuff like Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal and to kind of to balance those two things and find synergy between them like with with Fraggle Rock, which is kind of weird and kind of cute. I'm a big fan of like Neil Gaiman and how he can drift from kind of genre to not genre to genre, but like age group to age group. Really. He does like, you know, he's, he does Coraline and he does American gods. So I guess I'm all over. The, I love Maurice Sendak. Maurice Sendak, I think, is is one of our is like the perfect has created some perfect picture books, and is is one of my maybe um, artistic uh, influences. Somebody I've I've always enjoyed. So you can see, I know there's a lot of them.
0: Mm-hmm. And at what point, uh, you know, did you sort of shift from the the hours of reading in the treehouse to starting to create your own work?
1: Oh, those were always synonymous. Um, I'd been creating uh, stories and comics. I think since I discovered them, uh, because uh, well, my my father's an architect, and so uh, I always got this idea from him that you can um, a good way to explain something is with a drawing. And you know, he would always, if he was explaining something, he used like very often had a piece of paper and was like talking and drawing at the same time. I'm like, you know, this is what I mean, and he'd draw a picture of it or a floor plan or whatever it was. Uh you know, like whether it was like making a potato cannon or a catapult or whatever we were making. And then I like when I discovered things like Garfield comics, I was very eager to to try to do my own versions, which were they tended to be like ripoffs of Garfield. Like I did a lot of things that were very similar to Garfield and very similar to Calvin and Hobbes. But it was a good learning experience and when people like enjoyed those, you know, you're like, Oh, I'll keep making them because people seem to enjoy this. So I think like the ingesting of of stories and art and the creation of it have always been kind of um, kind of two, kind of two parallel things. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I mean, I don't remember a time when I wasn't drawing and making up stuff.
0: I think I remember reading that your own kids have served as a test audience and even sometimes models for certain poses when you're putting your. Oh, building.
1: definitely both. Yeah, is
0: that something that's still going on? Was that happening in this book too?
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they. Uh, um, I know I just grab them from time to time in almost whatever I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, in Goblin, I even remember. I mean, you asked about Jack, but now I'm talking about the go- um nobody likes a Goblin. But in Goblin, I have a really specific memory of grabbing my uh, Julia, who was, I think, six at the time. And and like goblin hides under his bed when the adventurers come, and I was like, Julia, just if you don't mind, just just get down on the floor here, and I'm gonna pile like this mattress and blankets on top of you. And she's like, okay. And so she gets on the floor, and I'm like, okay, just hold your head like you're really scared, and I'm gonna pile all this junk on top of you. And I did, Um, and I I used that to just just as a as a starting point for the picture of goblin hiding under his um, kind of wad of mats that he sleeps on. So yeah, especially but yeah, in a complicated poses it's really nice to have like um kind of like a stair step of different sized models. Uh there's a lot of my daughter Angelica in Lily. Um so it's nice to sit in the studio and have your windows and see them outside. So um I don't remember if I actually like like posed Angelica for anything with that, but definitely some of the physicality and how Lily looks is drawn from her. And then yeah, uh test audience definitely. Uh one of the best parts of Book production for me is when I feel like I have the story kind of worked out in a way, like like the outline of the story, and I'll go and just tell it out loud to the girls. you know I'll just go inside and I'll, I was like if if there's a free moment, we'll talk about it and um the the story I tell, especially about the third zeta book, was um, they were inside, and um, Anna, my wife was putting together. Her special pizzas, right? So she makes these, like, homemade pizzas. And we were all very... All, when it's pizza night, we're all very excited. But I came in and started talking, telling... I was like, I think I finally got Zeta 3 worked out. And I started telling the story. And I'm telling it, and I'm telling it, and I'm telling it. And, like, it's kind of getting long, like, this te- retel- that me telling the story. And then the pizzas came out of the oven. And I was like, okay... Let's just maybe we should just pause there, and uh, we'll eat our pizzas, and then I'll, I'll tell you the rest. And they were like, "No, no, no! Let's 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 finish it now." And I was like, "Oh, you know, you don't like you're excited to hear the story even more than you know uh, getting into these pizzas, right?" So that was kind of like a moment where I was like, "Yes, I did. It. I, this is this is working."
0: And you have you know one hand in picture books with some of your work, and, and others with these middle grade comics. Do you feel like your work is? aging up with your kids or is it not really any sort of correlation there between what you're creating and you know, what they're reading?
1: (sighs) Um, It's possibly aging up a little bit with the kids. I feel like it's aging up with me as well. I'm, I'm uh, following my interests. I am quite in love with picture books right now. I really do like the format and I like, you know, and I've got just the two I've got, uh, you know, Julia's house and nobody likes a goblin, but I have such wonderful memories of, of both writing and drawing those books. And they're a little less, they're not less difficult than graphic novels, but I'd say they're less intense to, to create. Um, so I'm really just enjoying that whole, and, you, and also, like, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, I draw the pages physically for the graphic novels, but but for the picture books, I do watercolors. And the uh, the other added benefit is I've you get this great stack of like watercolors that you made that you can actually pick up and hold. And I've got a couple of them framed um, and, and up in my studio. So you actually have like some physical art to show at the end. So those are good, but, but I do feel like, you know, I am being drawn into telling um, some older stories these days. And that's why I feel um, that's the feel, the direction that I feel feeling being pulled. And uh, I don't know if it has as much, like there's definitely some, you know, watching my kids get older is, is part of it but i think just following the types of stories that i've been wanting to tell is part of it too
0: well the uh, the end of this book uh you know certainly leaves the door open for more to come is there anything you can talk about as far as what's next for for jack
1: uh i can i can i can apologize <laughs> can, can i apologize
0: for that are we apologizing for how you've left him
1: or <laughs> right i did not yeah i did not intend to make this a it's it, it's actually a um one two part story and I had always intended to do two books with Jack, but, but the first book was going to be its own complete story. And uh, I sent my original outline into my editor and she was like, this seems like a lot of things happening for one, like 210 page book. And I was like, no, it's, it's fine. I could fit it all in. It's cool. And then, uh, I started working on it for a couple of weeks, uh, you know, re like kind of parsing out what goes on what page and all this stuff. And then I had to call her back and I was like, it's not fine. I don't think I can fit all this in one book. And, but the good thing is, uh, so I did have to cut off, um, basically cut off the end of the story and put it into its own book. But that's that ending, that second part of the story grew and became, I think, better for it. And we get way more into what's up with Lily in, in the second book. And, um, uh, it's it's on my mind a lot now because I just got the, uh, the layouts for it. And so I'm, I'm seeing it for the first time after, after being away from it for a few months. And I feel like those two books ideally could be read like within like five minutes of each other because they tell a complete, they definitely tell like one story. It's rough. I feel like to leave a story hanging like that and then be like, well, see you next year kids. I, I reread the book. I mean, j- I'm coming off of yesterday having reread the book and I think it's a strong ending, um, for, for what I, for, for what happens in the first book.
0: Great. And are are there, uh, other projects you can talk about? Is this back to school time for you too? sort of diving back into multiple projects?
1: Uh, yeah, we are diving back into, uh, life and projects and I'm diving back into stuff. I don't have anything that I can m- maybe officially talk about right now, but I've definitely got a lot cooking. So, um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I've got. I, I mean, just before this, I'm I'm feeling, like right now. It's all in these like plotting stages uh, of projects, but I'm plotting two stories that um that might turn out pretty good.
0: Excellent. Well, in in the meantime, congratulations again on this one, and uh, thank you again for speaking with me. So thank you.
1: Thanks for having me
0: once again. I've been speaking with Ben Hatkey, whose graphic novel Mighty Jack is just out from First Second. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast.